Yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris, his name is Hayden Winks, and today, you know, look, we had to exaggerate just a little bit based on last week, and it was a fine Sunday, but Hayden, preparing my notes for the show, doing research, re-watching some of those games, writing a whole bunch of notes, week five could be awesome. It's not going to get more awesome than my Jets underdog pick of the week from last week. So we'll see what I can do with that. As you know, we're going to go through our underdog picks of this week. Benji's go through some pick em lines that you can play over on Underdog Fantasy. Check out the Rivals page, by the way, under appreciated aspect of our game over there. But most importantly, this show is all about you preparing for Sunday for week five and hoping to help set your lineups, pick the right plays the best matchups. And as always, you can check out that valuable information over on the Fantasy Blueprint, which is on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. And Hayden, we also have a 9.30 a.m. Eastern game on Sundays. You, living on the West Coast, how do you handle those early morning games? In high school, like the peak of like our fantasy football group, we would have uh, ham and cheese croissants and watching my backyard early in the morning in the jacuzzi. That's how, that's how we used to do it. Screaming, mom, the meatloaf. Doesn't Literally. quite hit with, with yeah. mom, the ham and cheese croissant. Yeah. Uh, you are so bougie. You are so bougie. Yeah, so spending, $2, out there. yeah spending $2 on a ham and cheese croissant from the local donut shop. Very bougie. Uh, anyways, that 9.30 Eastern game this weekend will also be live here on this show for some start sets and matchup. Uh, pre-game show as well. That is the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons, 46 total. Both are one and three, but Hayden, the Falcons are three-point favorites here. We know that two new coaches are facing off here, Robert Sala in New York, and obviously <sighs> Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. Hayden, I'm still trying to be honest and figure out who Arthur Smith is as a play caller. Um We've gotten a little bit more of Robert Sala and, and Mike LaFour on the Jets' end. What stood out to you when thinking and looking at this game? First thing, Calvin Ridley's out for personal reasons. So that kind of takes out the only like deep and intermediate threat on the team. Maybe Olamide Zekias can kind of do that, but they don't have that every down player to throw the ball to right now. And that's why I'm picking Kyle Pitts as my Benji of the week. We're going to go rookie tight end for over 100 yards. And the primary reason is just I think that he – is the one that I've seen him win on slants. I've seen him be targeted heavily. He's number three in routes run among the position. He has top four fantasy usage. Everything's gone wrong, and I really do think Matt Ryan's going to struggle here. But I think that Kyle Pitts is going to get really involved. He's not going to come off the field. And quite frankly, he's the best wide receiver on the team already. So I just want to buy in on the hype around Kyle Pitts, avoid the small sample size of him barely missing with his toes, uh, near the sideline, a couple of drops here and there. He's too good. He's going to figure it out. This is the week where Arthur Smith has to go all in. Let's talk about a few elements of this because Calvin really being out and unexpectedly being out really changes this entire dynamic offensively. It's not for like a lack of playing time or even a lack of usage while Kyle Pitts hasn't hit so far. So even if we say like, oh, he's going to get more targets, that's possible. But it's also like just been an efficiency issue with Kyle Pitts so far. But Hayden, it's not just Calvin Ridley out. It's also Russell Gage, who's been missing time too. Yep. So at wide receiver, it's Olamide Zacchaeus. It's Christian Blake. It's Ajay Ajay Sharp. Sharp. Yep. My question, 
because Cordero Patterson, you cannot write the 2021 season so far without CPAT's name being attached to it, right? Is it too much of an assumption to say, hey, play him full-time at wide receiver? Because, hey, he's not really just a wide receiver anymore. He's not just a running back anymore. He's a manufactured touch player who's dynamite with the ball in his hands. How do you expect them to fill out those wide receiver spots this weekend? I think that you'll see Olamide Zikias, Tajay Sharp, and then Cordero Patterson as the three primary wide receivers. And last week, CPAT had a season-high 12 snaps in the slaughter out wide. I think that can be closer to 20, 25 this week. I think they have no choice but to get him on the field into the slot. Maybe use him downfield. Like, they gave him some downfield routes last week, and he had that long touchdown. But you're going to see a lot more scheme touches to Cordero Patterson. So as much as uh, negative regression candidate CPAT is – he is a must start this week because I think that he's going to be heavily involved. And actually, Calvin Ridley, in a weird way, Calvin Ridley's absence is actually good news for Mike Davis. I don't think that they can take Mike Davis off the field as much from the backfield because I think they need to put CPAT as an, a legit wide receiver this week. So um, I, I like the matchup with the Jets, obviously. No Marcus May, their right. best, probably their best player on defense right now. And the Jets are just really struggling on defense. So I, I think that this is a week to get CPAT, Mike Davis – and um, Kyle Pitts into your fantasy lineups. Uh, they're struggling with numbers, but this defense is still playing like relentlessly. Like they it's are well flying around for, for Robert Sala. Uh, and I know a lot of this is in reference to like being down on the scoreboard a lot, but we know that the Jets defense faced 37 runs against the Titans, 37 runs against the Denver Broncos, 24 runs against the Patriots, like, which could have been a lot more, and 27 runs against the Panthers. I'm with you. If we have to expand Cordero Patterson's role, we've talked about Mike Davis a lot, but this should be a situation where he continues to get about 15 touches, 16, 17, 18 touches. And hopefully the blocking is better against a lesser talented defense than one that maybe we have seen in, you know, comparing that across the league. Um, the issue with that, and even his touchdown last week, I mean, he, four, he broke four tackles. Insane. To, I mean, it was, it was, it was a nuts play. Um, so while I'm with you, like, I still don't know if I can buy into the Falcons offense, despite the pieces, I will say, Hey, I'm starting to buy into the Jets offense. I went back and rewatched Zach Wilson last week and look, there's like a lot of overlap between Mike and Matt LaFleur, obviously, but the LaFleurs and Kyle Shanahan, but there's like a major difference between the LaFleurs and Shanahan where Kyle doesn't have a quarterback who can throw down the field and throw outside the numbers. Matt LaFleur does with Aaron Rodgers. Not putting these people in the same tier, but Mike LaFleur does too. Oh, and yeah. really what got Zach Wilson in a lot of trouble early this season was a confined pocket sticking to it and really just trying to – and not being used to pressure, but also trying to force the ball into bad situations because he was used yep. to his arm just being enough, right? Yep. What we saw last week – was him rolling out of the pocket, getting out of the pocket, and really the game slowing down there and commanding those those downfield shots. And I mean, the Falcons have allowed 32 points, 48 points, and 38, 34 points to Philadelphia, the Bucks, and Washington. So I really, really like the Jets to the point that they are one of my underdogs of the week. You're doing multiple underdogs of the week now. I am. Okay. Well, I'm going to match you too. The Jets were also my underdog of the week, and – there's a couple of reasons. Uh, it seems like they're going to get Elijah Moore back from his concussion. Mm. That's going to round out the lineup. Now, for the first time, they have Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore, 
and Corey Davis and three wide receiver sets. The Falcons defense already bad. They're now missing their slot corner and their second corner. Both of them are on injured reserve. AJ Terrell is basically by himself out there. It's like Grady Jarrett, AJ Terrell, and then a bunch of nonsense. So I'm with you. I, I saw progress from Zach Wilson last week. The arm yeah. strength and all the the touch, all that stuff was beautiful, even when he was a disaster at quarterback. But it seems like the Falcons don't have enough pieces to really threaten him. And I think that Zach Wilson, as as a season progresses, is just going to get more and more comfortable. So uh, both of us are on uh, the Jets uh, for our underdogs. What could go wrong? What, welcome to the 5-0 and bandwagon here, Hayden Winks. We're about to go 5-0 and here with underdog. I mean, what he was able to do in terms of flicking at 50 yards, then like they fumbled the snap, dropped his eyes, spun around and fired. I do think the game is slowing down. And, you know, week 13, it might be great. But I think that this might be the time for it to turn the corner. My only, my only fear is like an inexperienced young team going to London to play in this game against a very experienced Matt Ryan led team. But uh, the Falcons just fading them all year has worked out. Okay. That's the early Sunday game. Again, everyone out there, we will be live starting at 10 o'clock Eastern with a pregame show. It's the perfect second screen companion because you're not going to be watching those pregame shows on networks as well. So put us on your phone, an iPad, Whatever else you use, some even use a Microsoft Surface out there. Crazy people. But be on the lookout. Leave your questions. And we'll get to them also in the bottom of those comments after the show and on Sunday morning. Because I'm sure we're going to have some crazy, crazy information that pops. And one of those, Hayden, I think might change the game on Sunday. And that is Christian McCaffrey's availability against the Philadelphia Eagles. We know at home, the Panthers are three and a half point favorites, a total of 45 here against the Eagles. Um, McCaffrey has been limited the last two days. Chuba Hubbard stepped in somewhat admirably in the running game, Rodney Smith in the passing game. And it certainly seems like all signs are pointing to now, Hayden, that we aren't going to know until 90 minutes beforehand if Christian McCaffrey suits up here in week five. He wants to play. Matt Rule said that they're hopeful he'll play. We're not. We're just not going to know until Adam Schefter tweets about it at midnight on Saturday. So um, we know what's going to happen if Christian McCaffrey's out there. Obviously, he's the best fantasy asset there is. And if he's out, Chuba Hubbard is going to be splitting time with, it looks like, Rodney Smith. And a little bit, Royce Freeman, week four snaps. Chuba played 33 of 70. Uh, Rodney Smith played 26 of them. So that was a pretty much an even split. And if you just look at it, Chuba's the the early down grinder. Rodney Smith came in yeah. later as the passing game back. So Chuba's like a fringe RB2 if you really need one. Um, he needs positive game script. And he did not have that last week. As three and a half point favorites over the Eagles. He could have it this week. So um, we know what to do with the running backs. I think like the, the question still is just like, is Robbie Anderson? It's just never going to happen for him, it seems like. Unfortunately, right now, no. Now, I don't want to just disregard him as someone that you can just put on your, your waiver wire because I still think that there's a lot of optimism there because it's the same offense in some ways that posted a lot of production with him last season. But obviously his targets are much further down the field than a lot yep. of the, the short and slot targets he was getting last year. The Panthers are still churning numbers. I mean, they're three and one. You know, I think put up a fight against the Cowboys last week, made a close game later on in that contest. But they make the move for Stefan Gilmore, who sounds like he's probably going to play around week seven, week eight, hopefully. Uh, obviously made the move for C.J. Henderson, who they immediately threw out there and got burned and then Amari Cooper touchdown. A lot of corners would. But then at left tackle, like Cameron Irving has 
been really hit or miss through the first four weeks of the season. Uh, Scott Fitterer joked that because actually Stefan Gilmore is like his near next door neighbor, that if he had yeah. another one that played a left tackle on the other side, that he'd go knock on his door as well. It wouldn't shock me at all if old rookie Brady Christensen gets a start at left tackle this week. Um, DJ Moore doesn't matter if he's facing a top corner or a bad corner. He's going to see a whole bunch of volume, but I'm with you. Another piece, especially if CMC goes down is going, is not playing this game has to step up here. I think to win because Philadelphia and Jalen hurts. Let's have that conversation to me. He's so difficult to nail down at times like stretches. He looks amazing. The production, he looks absolutely incredible. He's on pace right now for 4,600 passing yards, 28 passing touchdowns and 900 rushing yards. What he's doing each and every week is fantastic. But then like for a couple series in a row where they could like go ahead, lead, put the game away, it seems to crumble a bit around him. But I think part of that is also the talent that's surrounding. Definitely. And it looks like he's going to get a little more talent back. Jordan Mailata, uh, their left tackle seems like he's at least limited in practice to start. I would guess he plays. We don't know Lane Johnson's status. He's still away from the team. So the Eagles offensive line is still bad, but Jalen Hurts' environment is actually quietly very good. They're number one in neutral pass rate. I would have never guessed that in a million years coming in to the season. And then they're number three in neutral offensive pace. So you have passes, you have pace, and you have a quarterback can run. That is good environment. I think the biggest takeaway I had from last week, obviously number one is Jalen Hurts is like a total baller. Like I don't know how you can't not root for this guy. And he clearly has NFL skills too, like on top of that. But to me, it was just Devonta Smith, man. I mean – this guy's releases at the line, what he's doing at the very top of his routes. I mean, he is breaking off everybody and he's doing it at multiple levels of the field. He can win with slants. He can win down the field as well. And he's getting all of the, the volume that you'd want 24th in targets, uh, wide receiver 12 in air yards. He just been unlucky when it comes to touchdowns because he's not being targeted in the red zone. I don't see why that, that wouldn't change long-term. I think that Devonta Smith is like really earning like wide receiver three with a little bit of upside already. And that's super impressive for a rookie uh, just four weeks into the season. Devontae Smith is a player that they're going to win with for a really long time. Yes. I mean, just him in isolated situations. I've talked about it a lot. I'm glad you're bringing it up now too, so I don't have to as well each and every week. The issue is like, to me, he's the only wide receiver on that team that you can line up and expect oh, to yeah. win, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the Eagles offense is to the short, middle, and right of the field. And so that allows a running start, crossing routes, also offensive linemen there to block, also tight ends getting involved, or just Kenny Gainwell getting out there or swing passes to Miles Sanders. And so that's how you can get Quez Watkins involved. That's how you can get Jalen Rager involved. And the only traditional like man beater on intermediate and downfield routes is Devontae Smith. And so I think that's yeah. limiting. That, that That's really limiting. Um, it's been fun. To watch Kenny Gainwell emerge as a legitimate threat, and I don't think that's going anywhere because he is an elusive passing down back. But I, I also, to the point that you made, like remember part of the offseason conversation was, well, you know, Jalen Hurts is a great runner. They're going to be like bottom five in pass attempts. You mentioned like pass rate. I mean, they're 12th right now in pass attempts per game at 36 and a half. That's not even including just all dropbacks because we know he's a blur when he takes off at runs as well. I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go because this defense is awful and they keep getting injured and Lane Johnson is going to be out at this game at right tackle too. But I don't think Jalen Hurts is doing anything wrong here to not earn an extra season. But with all of the draft capital that they built up, that's again a storyline to follow as we go along. 
Yeah, if you're thinking about starting Miles Sanders, I think you're you're struggling. The Eagles are projected for 25th most points. They are road underdogs, and they're just not running the ball at all. And Kenny Gainwell's a two-minute back. He's looked totally fine to me. Um, if you just look at fantasy usage, Miles Sanders, the RB35, Kenny Gainwell, the RB41, and half PPR. Um, so neither neither one of them are playable right now unless you're really desperate um, because of injuries. And we've seen multiple times where Jalen Hurts does drop his eyes and move around and buy some space. Brian Burns' closing speed always freaks out quarterbacks. And he is the king of hustle sacks. Like you see these spin moves to create, you know, those turnovers. And, and Hassan Reddick's really good at that as well. But they have hustle players. I mean, Morgan Fox is one. I mentioned Reddick and, and Brian Burns, just the closing speed that they have. That I, I think that that might give Jalen Hurts some issues. It, it, it really might. Um, someone in the chat. John asked, is Sam Darnold's ground game really realistically sustainable rest of season? Hey, the answer is no, but I don't want to give that simple of an answer. So like there's five rushing touchdowns, I believe it is, inside the 20-yard line. Where do they go? You know, I mean, if, if Chris McCaffrey is healthy and plays, that's an obvious answer. We've seen DJ Moore, I think, already have three touchdowns this season when his season career high before this is four. So like he's already you know, paying off big with regression. Maybe we start getting some to Terrace Marshall, Tommy Trimble, and maybe even Robbie Anderson in the short areas of the field. He's just going to pass for more touchdowns and Christian McCaffrey's going to run for some. So like, it's not sustainable, but I think that Sam Darnold's at least an upside quarterback too. And they're top 10 in neutral, uh, neutral pass rate right now. And he's got the weapons to make it work. And he looks totally fine to me. Like there's going to be some mistakes on that stuff, but what Joe Brady's doing, and there's a, a, a great example of this, they had their, their tight end split out wide uh, against uh, last week against like the cover three zone defense that the Cowboys run. They send him to get Trevon Diggs the hell out of there. They have DJ Moore in the backfield, one-on-one against a linebacker, completes it to the one-yard line. A couple drives later, they do the same exact thing. DJ Moore's in the backfield again, same one-on-one route, this time for a touchdown. So Joe Brady is doing all these little things to maximize the talent. So I think that Sam Darnold, he's playing well enough, and he has the pieces around him, including the coaching staff, to at least be an upside quarterback to right now. Let's jump to the three and one Green Bay Packers who are favorites on the road by three points against the Cincinnati Bengals who are also three and one, a total of 51 in this game, Hayden. Uh, let's start on the Bengals and because they're coming off a win on Thursday night football, a comeback victory. Joe Mixon is most likely down in this game. Let's at least lean towards that direction. And so I think a big question to ask is do we see Zach Taylor give more responsibility to Joe Burrow? We talked about it at the start of the season, and it was aggravating how they were bottom of the league in terms of neutral pass rate, pass rate over expected. Um, They fed, fed Joe Mixon. And I think part of that conversation was, well, we have our quarterback, who's the franchise, coming off a significant knee injury. We still don't trust our offensive line. But Hayden, I think last Thursday's victory – I think Joe Burrow's play has afforded him some trust in these situations. And I would lean towards, yes, they are going to unleash him a little bit more and allow him to attack with Tyler Boyd and with Jamar Chase. This is the Joe Burrow week. They're getting T Higgins back. He's expected to return. And like you were saying, there is splits between Joe Mixon being active and inactive for, for Joe Burrow uh, since 2020. Uh, their neutral pass rate with Joe Mixon is down at 52%. Without it, it's at 67%. So that's a 15% jump in neutral pass rate. And I think 
we should expect that, especially now that we're seeing Jamar Chase as a baller. Tyler Boyd looks awesome again. And there was a couple of plays last week where Joe Burrow was able to break the pocket a little bit. He seems more comfortable and he's making all the throws that you're asking for. So I think this is an opportunity for the bank for the Bengals as three point road or home dogs to really air it out, especially if the Bengals defense can't get any stops against uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow has only attempted 12 passes of 20 plus yards. Eight of those have gone to Jamar Chase. And so while for like those first three weeks, the volume to Jamar Chase really wasn't there, he was one of the most efficient players in the league. And I think that that speaks to to Joe Burrow. Like he doesn't have the strongest arm, but man, is he smart pre-snap. Man, is he smart post-snap. And he's super accurate with the football. And just having those two pieces, like we know where they're going to go. And I say that after C.J. Uzoma had a breakout game uh, last, last Thursday. Go ahead. I got a couple injury notes right now. Uh, Bengals center Trey Hopkins and Xavier Suafilo, their right guard. Neither of them practiced this week yet, but on the flip side for the Packers, Jair Alexander's had a shoulder injury. He's probably not going to play. Zadarius Smith's on injured reserve. So they're also going through things on the other side. I want to bring this up because the fantasy community loves nothing more than running back insurance entering, entering the starting lineup. And they get that with Samaje Pirine. I think Samaje Pirine is an incredibly limited player. I also think Chris Evans has an awesome ceiling because of his athleticism and his receiving. You remember when we were watching the the preseason games together, he ran like a vertical route call oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like that's an area where he excels. And I think Samaje Pirine can just kind of be a grinder up the middle. And it certainly sounds like that Brian Callahan um, is going to use a committee approach with Samaj P. Ryan with Chris Evans. So while we talk about and we're going to more of these running back insurance types, maybe who we keep comparing them to is, I don't know, Alexander Madison when he keeps getting to the lineup. I don't think that Samaj P. Ryan is going to get the Alexander Madison workload like Joe Mixon had. No, this is going to be like Samaj P. Ryan with Joe Mixon like last year or the year before where he's the grinder and then Chris Evans basically like Giovanni Bernard. But uh, we'll see with Chris Evans. He has like literally 99th percentile adjusted oh, yeah. spark athleticism, like off the charts. And he did nothing at Michigan and he still got drafted because he's this crazy of an athlete. Um, I'm not sure how much they trust him though. So like, that's the thing where I, I agree. This is going to be a committee approach. If you are really desperate, I'd probably go Samaj P. Ryan. Hope you get a touchdown, but I wouldn't even, this is like below Chuba Hubbard. Um, this is a below Alex Collins. If he goes tonight for sure. You know, I look at DVOA rankings. The Bengals right now defensively, Hayden, are fifth. Fifth. I don't think like any talents on that team match up to that. Yeah, They are probably going to get Jesse Bates back, their best safety, which I think impacted them last week with those vertical passes that we saw from, uh, from Trevor Lawrence. But what has really stood out to me about the Packers offense over the last couple weeks is that they can beat you in multiple ways. I mean, I think it was week three against the 49ers – they're hurt defensive backs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was putting it on the money on downfield throws, whether it was Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, whoever. And then last week, because the Steelers had been giving up so many big plays over Minka Fitzpatrick's head, it felt like they were doing like everything in their power to, to prevent that. So that opened up, you know, shorter passes for Randall Cobb, routes from a wide alignment for Aaron Jones, you know, leak outs from AJ Dillon. And so right now, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a super high level, and I think he might expose this Bengals defense a little bit. Yeah, I'm not buying the Bengals, like, all of a sudden being a top-10 defense. That just makes no sense to me. With Marquez Valdez-Scantley being out, we saw Alan Lazard run a route on 37-40 to dropbacks, primarily 
as their Z receiver. He's also going to play in 12 personnel, which the Packers sometimes do, or 21 personnel. Um, Randall Cobb, season high, 11.9 expected uh, half PPR points, season high, 63% route. So uh, we know what the three wide receivers set's going to be. If you need a desperate Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb play, I get it. You're attached to the quarterback, but this is like the week where like Devontae Adams can just go absolutely absurd. Is there anything to say about Robert Tunyon? I mean, last year he was such a tight end or touchdown dependent player. Tight ends often are, but there truly is nothing else at the wide receiver position, especially with MVS on IR. Yep. Is there ever a path to us seeing more Robert Tunyon opportunity? I don't think so because we got to remember that this is a Shanahan based offense where the Packers are 20th in neutral pass rate, 21st in neutral offensive pace. So they don't even throw the ball that many times. And when you have Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and now even Alan Lazard, MVS, these guys, you're just not going to get that many targets from, for Tanya. So I think he's the tight end 26 in targets right now. He's all like, – even last year, that was all touchdowns. So um, I think that with more competition and you're not expecting Aaron Rodgers to throw at 48 touchdowns again, he's like going to be a clear loser. So like tight end two, touchdown or bust for me. All right, we've got a couple games at 39 and a half in terms of the total. Let's go to the first one. Denver Broncos, three and one, are actually one-point road dogs against the one and three Pittsburgh Steelers. And I posed this question to our buddy, Cleve TA, my buddy from college, Rich Ryan. How much do we think the expectation of Drew Locke starting is impacting the total and the line here? And I think it's two points. Like, I think if everyone knew that Teddy Bridgewater was starting – and the Broncos would be favored here, like how they opened. But instead, the expectation is Drew Locke. I think that expectation is wrong. It might yeah. be wrong. Like, I really feel like Teddy Bridgewater is going to end up playing in this game. And because of that, the Denver Broncos are my second underdog of the week. What do you think, Aiden? You just snuck it in there with the one-point spread. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a pick em, uh when we go into Sunday. I'm with you. I think that... Benjamin Albright tweeted that there's internal optimism that Bridgewater is going to make it out there. He's already progressing through the concussion protocol. So I would bet that's the case. And I do think there's a massive difference just looking at EPA per drop back since uh, 2020. So not even just including this year, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater is at plus 17 or 0.17 drew locks all the way down at plus zero one. So like, that's a massive difference. And I think that's like the difference between like Noah Fant having like a legitimate case as like a top six tight end versus being a low end tight end one. And then like the same thing for like Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick, like what is their spike week potential? Like it's clear that Bridgewater just way better. That duo of Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, and let's throw in Noah Fant too. It's pretty fun. Like I think they fit what Teddy is really good at in terms of they're running like five to seven yard routes. They're bigger bodies who actually have some yards after catch capabilities and so it's like a big frame to get the ball onto, and then they kind of rumble from there. Um, it sucks that, you know, Teddy doesn't get all of his weapons and, and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, but against a Steelers team, Hayden, I mean, you might write down a piece of paper or go through every week all the games. Like, I really don't want to watch the Houston Texans. After the Texans, the team I don't want to watch next, maybe the Miami Dolphins, and then after that, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's so putrid. It is disgusting. It's egregious. It's harmful to my brain, to my football future, to go and watch the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so much of it is just the quarterback play. It's not like a one-time thing where it's going to improve. You know, Adam Schefter even came out and said that there is no way that Ben Roethlisberger gets benched. He is ruining this season for the Steelers. And while they won 11 games to start last year, hey, they might go 1-11 at this rate. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Like, I always feel like Mike Tom is going to like figure this out to like some extent. The defense is going to kind of come through, and they're at least getting some injury luck returning this week. Uh, Big Ben's like kind of hit and miss on the injury report right now, but it looks like they're going to get the right tackle back, and it looks like Chase Claypool is on track to play. He's been limited in practice. Juju's been limited. Deontay Johnson returned last week, so. I mean, this would be like a week where they can barely kind of squeak in a win. But I'm with you. Like, if there's just like no upside in this offense right Run. now because everything is Dink and Duncan. He can't move in the pocket like he was a couple of years ago where he'd at least like be able to create a play by moving. Like, he, he just can't do that anymore. So you have an offense that can't create big plays on its own against one of the best defenses against big plays in the NFL, right? And you have a quarterback who, whenever he tries to make something happen, I mean, these are – like three Stooges-esque moments that you're getting from Ben Brothersburg when he's like falling to the ground when he's just getting touched in the pocket. It's awful. And I, I know I keep repeating this, but like you drafted a tight end in round two. You drafted a running back in round one. Like all you could have gone out and gotten Teddy for nothing. You could have traded for Sam Darnold. They, they did nothing. And it, it really is ruining their season. I will say without Chase Claypool, even though it seems like he's going to come back, Deontay's going to get fed in those situations. And that's really other than Najee Harris, like the two only dependable pieces that we can count on. It just depends on how much that volume goes for because the targets aren't high value targets. Definitely agree with that. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster under 10 expected fancy points in all three of his healthy games. Chase Claypool, I'm leaving on my bench for like Devonta Smith in one of my leagues. Uh, I don't want to trust him with his hamstring injury in this matchup. Um, especially when Deontay Johnson seems like he's just going to be the perfect fit for Big Ben, who doesn't want to get hit, does not want to throw the ball downfield, so he's just going to flick the ball to Deontay uh, four yards uh, past the line of scrimmage. 245 and a half passing yards on underdog right now. Pick them for Ben Roethlisberger. Hayden, that seems that seems ambitious. Uh, quickly, though, on the Broncos, one more name. We talked a lot about their pass catchers, all that good stuff. Um, if Javante Williams ever figures out where to go, He's going to be so much fun to watch because he is breaking tackles at a ludicrous rate. He's bouncing like everything to the outside. It feels like, and then carrying tackle tacklers for like four or five yards. I understand those metrics are awesome, but like it's because it's difficult to get it like a vision metric or like hit the right hole metric. And I think he's failing there, but succeeding in absolutely the areas where he had at UNC, but that's fine. Like maybe it starts slowing down and maybe he changed a little bit. He's already being super productive, splitting time 55th with Melvin Gordon, but if we ever get a complete back from Javante Williams, all the skills are there for like fantasy football magic. Do you think it's going to happen this year though? Like he's Probably we got to remember he's a younger back and let's be honest, Melvin Gordon looks really good. Like yep. he's looked good the entire season. So um, right now, Javante Williams, the RB 31 in fantasy usage. And we got to remember this Broncos uh, offense in general, 29th in neutral pace, you know, like yep. this is not going to be a high scoring offense. Like we had some sick weeks to start the year. And Teddy Bridgewater returning will help out. But a 50-50 backfield in this slow-paced offense that's projected like for the 28th points this week, for example, like that's not breeding a lot of fantasy points in general at all. So it's all these guys are like fringe plays. Like Corlin Sutton's like probably a wide receiver three. Yeah. Um, Melvin Gordon may be a flex play, but I think I don't think that you can start like Javante Williams, for example. Yeah, it's, it's a total of 39 and a half. And by the way, Javante Williams rushing yards prop over on underdog 49 and a half rushing yards. Again, you can get a free $10, turn that $10 into 200 either tonight for Thursday night football or on Sunday by hitting five of the pick'em lines. Just use promo code the show and you get a free 25 or excuse me, free $10 on first deposit. Okay. 
There's another game that's 39 and a half total. It features the Houston Texans. They are one and three, but the Patriots are nine point favorites on the road. You look at this, Hayden, nine point favorites, a low total. You expect maybe this is the game where the Patriots can insert the identity that they wanted to have this offseason in terms of pound the rock with Damian Harris. But the offensive line is still in question. Like Trent Brown at right tackle has not played for weeks. I believe still Michael Owenwu and Isaiah Wynn are still on the COVID list at left tackle and one of the guard spots. And there's the conversation that the Patriots have been at their best in recent weeks by spraying it out and letting Mac Jones hit his back foot and fire the football to one of his receivers. They could be down four starters because also Shaq Mason's not practicing too. Oh. So like it's that's four starters. That's basically like the Eagles thing. And like, yes, like you want to be able to establish it, but it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be all Damian Williams or Damian Harris doing things by himself because offensive line is really bad right now. It's like top or bottom five, according to PFF. So, um, yeah, I think that this is going to be another Jacoby Myers week. All of a sudden, Jacoby Myers is the wide receiver nine in targets, top 20 in fantasy usage. He's been super unlucky in the red zone. Maybe that's because he's too small. Uh, but I think, I think I'm with you. I think that this is going to be turning into like a spread offense, which is probably not what they had in mind going into the season. But that's their strength At right all. now, just letting Mac Jones – pre-snap and post-snap really just try to figure things out and just check the ball down win with timing that type of stuff very low ceiling and like this would have been an absolute smash Damian Harris game and it easily still could be but like that's a lot of offensive linemen that are missing too on the Texans offensive side we know Bill Belichick historically just wrecks rookie quarterbacks and that includes number one overall picks number two overall picks number three overall picks that doesn't include Davis Mills I mean Davis Mill, we've seen him extremely struggle against good defense like the Bills. I mean, it was awful um, in weather situations. But I'm not saying like this Patriots defense is amazing. In fact, I think their linebacker play is suspect. But, I mean, we've seen totals, at least an underdog of Davis Mills, over under 200 total yards. I'd have to hit the under on that one this week too. Yeah, Bill Belichick, this is how you know a quarterback – he doesn't think is very good. He says that you see a good talent level. You see a good ability to make the throws. Whenever Bill Belichick's saying like, oh, he can make the throws and that's his compliment, that that means that he's getting the house brought on him. So, um, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. I think that you can still start Brandon Cooks as like a wide receiver three, but this is a terrible matchup for him, obviously. Um, we need Tyrod Taylor back. I think that Brandon Cooks could actually make some plays. Maybe Nico Collins, when he gets his shoulder back on track later in the season, can make some plays, but they need Tyrod back. Like Davis Mills just like completely not it. All right, let's jump to more fun games. Let's go on over to the, I believe, two and two Tennessee Titans, four and a half point favorites on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are obviously 0 and 4 after last week's collapse. A total of 48 and a half in this game. What side do you want to start on, Hayden? The Titans or the Jaguars? End? Probably the Jaguars. Okay. For the Jaguars, there are some interesting developments on this offense because they've tried to do a few different things with Daryl Bevel throughout the season. But what we have most recently seen is DJ chart going down. And that meant a, I wouldn't say different role for LaVisca Chenault, but maybe an expanded role. I mean, early in the season, he was dropping passes. He wasn't creating after the catch last weekend. He did both of those things against the Bengals, but he also added two vertical targets. So Hayden, what should we expect from LaVisca Chenault this week against the Titans defense that is a bottom five unit in the NFL? Daryl Bevel, their their offensive coordinator and maybe soon to be their new head coach, said that LaVisca Chenault is going to have a bigger role. So I, 
I believe it. I think that he can, he's physical enough to be a, a two wide receiver set player if they want him to be. And I think that they're just going to have him run more deeper routes, just even if it's just five more deeper routes per game. Like that's all we need for LaVisca Chanel. And I don't think that Tavon Austin is going to be a, a target accumulator here at all. So I think that LaVisca Chanel, I'm also starting him over Chase Claypool for, for an example. I, I think that he's like a upside wide receiver three right now. We, we should expect the Jaguars to be pretty balanced on offense because they're getting a lot from James Robinson. But I think it's just like those two guys. Like I'm not banking on anything from Tavon Austin or the tight ends right. or anything. So I think that LaVisca Chenault has enough uh, yards after the catch ability to make some plays. So we still expect LaVisca to live in the in the slot, but maybe some more instead yes. of having an A dot that's similar to Alec Ingold actually having it as like a legitimate downfield or intermediate wide receiver. Okay. That's not the only development that we have because last Thursday, we also know that James Robinson got back to his 2020 usage. We talked about this a lot on our buy or sell our our film versus, you know, stat show on, on Tuesday, but let's bring it up here again, because we don't know Carlos Hyde's situation and Hayden, almost regardless, based on where the running back position is right now. And based on the talent of James Robinson, I think we have to go into this game expecting him to get 75% of the work and doing really well with it. Yeah, even in week three, he had 15.2 expected half PPR points, and that was way up from the first two games. And you're seeing the Jaguars all of a sudden, they're 27th in neutral pass rate. And I think that's because they're seeing that James Robinson is a really strong between-the-tackles rusher. So Carlos Hyde should return. That's obviously bad news for James Robinson in general. But I think that he's the best passing down back on the team. And I think that Carlos Hyde, they have to be realizing like James Robinson just way better. So I think that right now I would say he is a RB2, but I think that there is some potential where you can kind of sneak into like that top uh, 12. You always have to remember like the Jaguars are still projected for the 22nd most points this week. So we can't get too carried away with the James Robinson usage. All right. On the Titans end, there are some changes as well. One, and let's say this most importantly, Hayden, we are finally, it looks like, getting A.J. Brown back, hopefully up to full health. Meanwhile, Julio Jones is still not practicing. Last week, both of those top-tier wide receivers were on the sideline, and that has led to Derrick Henry being among the top four ever for most touches through four games in NFL season. Our buddy Lord Reeves brought this up. Rodney Hampton, 134, James Wilder, 129, Ricky Williams in 2003, 129, and Derrick Henry this season, 127 touches through four contests. What does the implementation of A.J. Brown back into this lineup do anything? I don't know if it changes that for Derrick Henry Hayden. I think it just helps Ryan Tannehill and at least having like a more than capable wide receiver out there because they didn't have that last weekend. Oh, definitely not. And I think that they're going to probably pass the ball a little bit more. They're dead last in neutral uh, pass right now. And they're also 23rd in EPA for drop back. And that's just like Tannehill can't do it by himself. Like we know what Tannehill can do. He can throw it on time, throw with good touch, but he needs AJ Brown out there. So it seems like there's going to be some re-injury risk for AJ Brown, but at least he's out there. And it seems like Julio Jones is not going to be there. So like AJ Brown wide receiver one weeks again. Sure. Like I'm leaving that open for sure, especially with the Jaguars defense right now. Yeah, the Titans offense put up 532 yards against Seattle in week two, 430 yards last week against the Jets. I don't know. I kind of see a uh, a Jaguars backdoor cover if you, if you get what I'm putting out there. All right. 
Here we go. Over to the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. 49 total. We know the Detroit Lions are 0-4. The Vikings are 1-3. So, Hayden, you have records-wise just one win between these two. But the Vikings, as it should be, are 8.5-point favorites here. The Lions, their strength to their team is their offensive line. And it could be in turmoil this week. Because not only is Frank Ragnow, who won the best centers in the NFL, is missing time. As of right now, it also looks like Panay Sewell, who's been great at left tackle, will also miss some time. And you're going up against Danell Hunter, Everson Griffin, who's you know re-emerging some really good interior defensive line pieces as well. So while these running backs have gotten home because of awful game script in the second half and short passes they turn into long gains, I think it might be difficult to get that typical rushing production that we see from them in the first and second quarters. And let's not lose sight that offensive tackle Taylor Decker and the other offensive tackle Tyrell Crosby are already on injured reserve as well. So it's a, there's like no depth all of a sudden. They're starting guys that are just being brought in there. So uh, not too pretty. T.J. Hawkinson's battling some undisclosed knee injury. He it seems like he's going to play. He was limited on Thursday, and he's obviously going to be a target sponge. We have not seen any separation between DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They basically went back to it and saying it's going to be a hot hand approach. Obviously, we want to be buying in on uh, DeAndre Swift as the pass catcher, as massive underdogs again. Um, same thing with TJ Hawkinson, but uh, you're not getting anything out of the wide receivers, and Jamal Williams could lose his role at any second if uh, they want to give DeAndre Swift the bell cow job. So it's, it's, just, it's just DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson, really. On the Vikings end, we saw Dalvin Cook return after Alexander Madison's great week three. Hayden, he returned at like half speed, and – Look, in a game where the Vikings should win, this is my pitch to you, Mike Simmer. Give Dalvin a rest. Let him get back up to full speed. Let us know who is going to get the vast majority of running back touches. We will love you more for it. I think it'll be better for the long term of the Vikings this season. Get Dalvin back healthy after this week. Let's just have like another 20-plus touch game for Alexander Madison and let me go in peace. Yeah, Dalvin Cook did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So, yeah, I'm with you. They shouldn't play him. Like, I, I really don't understand. This is easy to me. You're playing the Lions. If you can't beat the Lions without Dalvin Cook, you're, you're an unserious football team. So, um, the other thing to note right now, the Lions are missing Jamie Collins. They just cut him. Jeff Akuda, their f- former first-round corner. Uh, Romeo Okwara just tore his Achilles as well. That's probably their best edge rusher. Uh, their fill-in cornerback, too, Melifonwu, he's on injured reserve. And same with Deshaun Hand, their their interior tackle. So this Lions defense was already bad, and they've just lost, like, what, like five out of their top ten defense players, too. So this is a a jam them in for everybody. Obviously, if Alexander Madison starting, like, top five, top five uh, running back for me this week. And I know they only put up, like, seven points last week, I think it was, against the Browns, but Kirk Cousins is still playing well. Like, he has been dialed in really, really well this season. Justin Jefferson might have a massive week. Like just a massive week. So I'm uh, I'm all for that. The the Lions secondary truly might be one of the worst that we've seen in recent years. Yeah. I think exactly. I think there's potential for that. Okay. Miami Dolphins are one and three. Brian Flores facing Tom Brady. Because the Bucks are 10 point favorites here at home, a total of 48. Um, I think the Bucks are kind of boring to be honest, because they're they're really good in terms of the plays and and the players that we can talk about. Um, I did see someone chirp us in the chat earlier, Hayden. Let me find this. That said, oh, we told them to start. Here we go. Leonard Fournette 
over over Cordero Patterson. All right. Hayden, do you remember how many touches Leonard Fournette got last week? Um, it was like, I like was 22 touches last week. No, excuse me, 23 touches. 20 carries for 92 yards, five targets, three receptions for 47 yards. Lake Show, that was not a bad call. Who's ever going to predict three touchdowns for Cordero Patterson? Hey, you hey, jerk, you fool. Fournette smashed Cordero Patterson in my expected fantasy points league. Yeah. Smashed him. It was great advice. We have, we have we have some news though. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is a limited. It seems like he's probably on track to play. Um, that's going to take some of the RB two appeal away from Leonard Fournette. I still think that he's a flex because the the Bucks are ten and a half point favorites. They're projected for the third most points in the week at home. Um, so I, I do think that Leonard Fournette to me looks better than Giovanni Bernard and yeah. obviously Ronald Jones. So I wouldn't be that surprised if they let Leonard Fournette still play seventy percent of the snaps. Um, but obviously you have to ding him a little bit because Giovanni Bernard is back. And then obviously um, it looks like no Rob Gronkowski again. Let's talk about the Dolphins end of this. The Bucks defensive backs are completely decimated. I mean, they're actually getting roasted at times out there. I think it's really difficult to predict for his entire career when Devontae Parker is going to have a great game. I think Jalen Waddle, like he has been, will get 10 targets. Uh, he hasn't been able to turn those targets into a lot of production. And Mike Kosicki's doing really well with Jacoby Brissett. Um, my biggest concern on Miami is that the Bucks pass rushers, and especially the interior of their defensive line, is incredible. This truly can be one of those weeks where the front four and the blitzes that Todd Bowles cooks up just decimates an immobile, really, Jacoby Brissett and one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Yeah, Vita Vey is just going to go crazy here. And JPP is limited to start the week, so he might an uh, be, be, be back too. So, yeah, the, their defensive line is going to absolutely destroy uh, Miami. And we have to just always note this every single time, opposing offenses against the Bucks have by far the highest neutral pass rate. We're going to see the Dolphins maybe run the ball two times. They're going to see Malcolm Brown get absolutely destroyed. And then it's just going to be all passes. And obviously right now, Carlton Davis is out. Sean Murphy Bunting's out. Anton Winfield, he's in the, con- the concussion protocol. He's probably going to be out too. So it is one of the best front front sevens and one of the worst back se- or back uh, secondary pieces right now for for the Bucks. So in theory, this is a good week for Jalen Waddle and all those guys. But the Buck or the, the Dolphins are still projected for the second fewest points on the week too. I'm, I'm giggling over here because you know Underdog is some sick people over there on the risk team. We have three Jacoby Brissett lines on Pickham right now. <laughs> Is it like 14 <laughs> completions? It's 22 and a half completions. That's uh, 238 passing yards and over under, obviously, half an interception. Jalen Waddle, 54 and a half receiving yards, 40 and a half receiving yards for Mike Gasicki. If those entice you, go on over, play pick up. The rivals are really fun too. Again, 10 bucks, pick five, turn your free $10 on the first deposit into 200 by just picking five. Correctly. Okay. A couple more, actually just one more one o'clock game here. Hayden, uh, the New Orleans Saints are two point favorites on the road. They're two and two against also the two and two Washington football team, a total of 44 and a half here. Um, James Winston, eight passing touchdowns on just 86 passing attempts. My have the two worlds flipped from high variance roller coaster James Winston to then also pass catching Alvin Kamara because that role is no longer there for him. 
I mean, he's on pace for over 300 carries this season and just over 50 targets. Not just for this game, but moving forward. Hayden, do you think that this is the style that Sean Payton wants to play for the rest of the season? Just like grind it out wins and that they can be possibly successful by him acting as like the game manager? I think so because the Saints are going to be getting some defensive players back. Like this next couple of weeks, they're going to, their defense should be one of the better units in the league. And they're also should be getting Eric McCoy and Taryn Armstead back too. Both of them are still out. So that's not good news for this week. I, I would wish they would just chop off five carries for Kamara and make them screens. Like, please like enough already with RB three carries and RB 22 targets. Um, but that, that's what it is right now. Um, on Washington, though, like this has got to be one of the biggest fantasy storylines of the week. Everybody on Washington is hurt on offense right now. Like this is absurd. Um, let me let me pull this up real quick. It's oh, we have Curtis. Go ahead. Curtis Samuel's been out. Diami Brown's been out. Logan Thomas is already out. So it's really just Terry McLaurin and J.D. McKissick. And I think that's about it in terms of people who are practicing. Yeah. Um, and might we add Ricky Seals Jones, who all of you. I've been hearing about Ricky Seals-Jones' name for years. I famously once drafted him. You remember when George Kittle separated his shoulder in the preseason? I drafted him over George Kittle that season, and then George Kittle went off. Anyways, we move on because this is an important piece of Washington's team. Uh, Logan Thomas had been playing 100% of the snaps, basically, and has been acting as a pseudo-slot wide receiver. And Ricky Seals-Jones is immediately, once Logan Thomas went down, had the exact same role. And Scott Turner, thank you, Scott, you're my buddy, has come out and said that RSJ is going to have that same role this weekend. If you're looking for a streaming tight end with Rob Gronkowski out or Cal Pitts, uh, you know, disappointing you or other players throughout the season so far, RSJ, there are worse options to go to here. I guess. I guess there is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he's like a tight end two streamer, I guess. Like, but. I don't know. This Washington def- or this Washington offense seems like it's going to absolutely crater here. Like they have no backup wide receivers, no Diami Brown. Curtis Samuel has a lingering uh, groin injury again. That's what uh, Ron Rivera described it at. He's not practicing. Cam Sims not practicing. Antonio Gibson's going through it with a with a shin injury. Like Taylor Heineke's been getting lucky as hell. Like let's be honest. Like I don't think he's playing well. He's making some crazy plays. I-, I don't know, man. Like he's a gamer. Saints- we talk about this. I mean, he believes that no play is dead and that he also has the biggest arm in the NFL and he doesn't have that. And so that can get him in complete dicey situations, but can also allow him to win a game like he did last week against the Atlanta Falcons. To me, this is what this game comes down to. Uh, The saints actually so far this year through three weeks had been really good at preventing big plays. But last week we know that Daniel Jones produced eight plays of 20 plus yards, including two touchdown passes of, of 50 plus yards. Um, Taylor Heineke is one of the worst deep ball throwers in the NFL. It's because of the arm we keep talking about. It doesn't matter if Terry McLaurin's open or Curtis Samuel's open, so on and so forth. His arm just can't get it there. So I don't think he's going to be able to take advantage of that weakness that showed up last week for the Saints. Um, so, yeah, I, I would pick, despite them being a little boring on offense right now, I don't know if it's a trust issue or a volume issue because, again, he's only attempting 86 passes. But Sean, I trust Sean Payton to like grind out wins like this. So. Yeah, this is a Saints game for me. Uh, Jameis Winston, I will say, last week looked pretty good to me. He had two awesome throws, and then they got Taysom Hill in there <laughs> with, I mean, one of the most pathetic passes you'll see. Like, enough already with the Taysom Hill dropbacks. Taysom Hill, awesome. Highlight reel in, in the red area. Like, 
if it's on the 50 yard line and it's first and 10, please no more Taysom Hill. This is like so egregious. I uh, I have that exact same thing written down. That was a beautiful deep shot to Marquez Callaway. Then get another touchdown that was called yes. back to Kenny Stills. And then they throw in on like second and 20 Taysom Hill. And he goes and just throws it directly to a defender trying to match Jameis Winston. I mean, it was so bad. It was, it was infuriating. All right. Before we move on, all of you that are here right now, I appreciate you being here. But also, I need you all to subscribe to this channel. 81% of the people that watch our content do not subscribe. Let's change that right now. I'm talking to you, Connor, you, Danilo, you, OG, you, KTC Bull, you, John. Like and subscribe. We appreciate it. We are here Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And by the way, go and check out our best ball recap, our best ball review show that we had with Overzet and Bime4 and Leone. That was a really, really fun program. It's going to be the couple videos right before this one. All right, let's jump to some really, really good four o'clock games here, Hayden. Cleveland Browns, Los Angeles Chargers, both three and one. The Chargers are one and a half point favorites, a total of 47 here. We know that Baker Mayfield right now is struggling. He struggled last week. All he has to do is not make egregious throws like he did to Odell Beckham last weekend because Hayden, what we keep talking about is that this Browns offense is, is incredible, but there's some like legitimate fear that this week to me, at least is going to be telling of like Baker Mayfield's rest of season because he has a partially torn labrum on his left side. And so if that is impacting, obviously he's throwing on the right side, Again, I think we might see more and more of that pop up this week, or it was just a one-week blip, and we move on as Browns as like one of the favorites in the NFL. Odell Beckham, wide receiver 18 fantasy usage, wide receiver 63 per game, though, because you can't connect on any of these deep throws. So I don't know if that is the the shoulder injury or, or whatever it is. I think the, the big thing here just stylistically is what the uh, Chargers want to invite is the run. Light boxes, and th- that's why you just see these teams always just going right at the Chargers. And we just saw Kenneth Murray, their their uh, first round uh, linebacker. He's uh, he's missing time with an ankle injury. So I'm curious to see if Staley's going to say, "Screw it, Nick Chubb, run for 180 yards. We don't care," or if they're going to make an adjustment. So that's like a big thing to me because you obviously have a first uh, just a run first offense versus a defense that's pretty good, but it's just getting absolutely murdered on the ground. So I, I'm very curious to see. I think that this is, could be a massive, massive Nick Chubb game in general, though. So. Let's outline that for a moment because I think a lot of people would might be curious as to why a defensive mind like Brandon Staley would want the other team to have like their best assets there out there on the field, like their strength out there on the field. But Hayden, I think that Staley, regardless of opponent, believes that if like you might rack up rushing yards, one that's not explosive plays, even though the Browns historically have been great in terms of explosive runs, like really, really good 20 plus yard runs. But it's much more likely that it turns into, I don't know, third and seven, third and six, third and nine after two straight runs. And that's how you can get off the field. And then you give the football back to Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler. In theory, yes, until Nick Chubb runs right over your linebackers and Jerry Tillery is getting knocked off four or five yards off off the off his blocks too. So like, I don't know, man, like this is a week. I think that Nick Chubb can go absolutely nuts. And same thing with Kareem Hunt. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting just coaching dilemma for for Brandon Saley. And I think Brandon Saley has been making all the decisions now, but he's never seen a run offense like this. Right. It's it's a styles make fights 
type atmosphere that we're, we're about to get here. And it, it flips on over to the other side to Hayden because we know how good Justin Herbert is. Mike Williams was like this close to having another really long touchdown, which would have changed his week. Um, Keenan Allen is getting like a, t- a bunch of targets. He's kind of like the wide receiver version of, of Nick Chubb right now. I've seen a lot of people like mad and frustrated that they drafted Nick Chubb. He's racking up a ton of yards. I understand it from like the high value touch perspective, but I still think the best is yet to come here with Nick Chubb this season. Like nothing is going wrong in this offense. He's just not, you know, getting the same necessarily opportunities that Kareem Hunt is getting in those goal line situations. Anyways, we're talking about the, the Chargers here. What stands out to me, Rashawn Slater at left tackle, unbelievable talent so far and facing off against Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but necessarily doesn't matter because Justin Herbert's going to stand there and throw the rock no matter what. Yeah, the, the Herbert show is just insane right now. Top 10 in neutral pace and neutral pass rate. That's why you're getting massive Mike Williams weeks, like you were alluding to. Keenan Allen, wide receiver four fantasy usage. So I know he's the wide receiver 25 per game, but wide receiver four. There's like not a bigger positive regression candidate than Keenan Allen. And we've seen Keenan Allen absolutely shred with, with uh, Herbert historically. I think he's like at 80 yards historically with Justin Herbert. So it's going to be more of a slow paced game just because what the Browns are going to do on the other side of the ball and the Browns our defense looks much improved at the edge rusher spots. And even in the secondary JOK looks pretty good back there too. So, um, but, but I'm not going to be betting against the freaking uh, Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert, like enough already. I think that the chargers are a legit Super Bowl contender. Like this, so. this team is really loaded and they're getting an awesome start to uh, Ray Sean Slater as well. Yeah, Joey Bosa should have ended that game last week much earlier. He got held in a sack that did not count, and then that would have obviously put the Raiders on on the sideline. One final point. All of the Chargers' opponents have scored the least amount of their points this season against L.A. Like That that just shows you why inviting the run, why doing all of this game planning on Brandon Staley's end is is absolutely working out. Okay, just one game in the 4 o'clock window. We've got a whole bunch of more good ones, and that includes the 2-2 and San Francisco 49ers, a 50 total as they head to Arizona against the four no Cardinals, five and a half point favorites. The Cardinals are here for once, for once. We're not going to talk about the Cardinals and Kyler Murray to start because Hayden Winks, we have a little bit of a development over the last two days. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been practicing. He's been off the field. We got a second half version of Trey Lance. Let's have this conversation as if Trey Lance is going to start. How do you think that is going to play out? Well, the first thing is we can't extrapolate the 75-yard touchdown, enough of the 20 points. I mean, we will not be saying he just – he averaged 20 points in the second half. Like That was a very uh, weird play, a broken play. Look, On those other plays, he was 7 of 17 passing with a 4.8 yards per attempt. I, I think that Shanahan's right that Trey Lance isn't ready. They're going to go him out there, and I think for fantasy purposes, awesome. You're going to get possibly negative game script against one of the most fast-paced, explosive uh, offenses on the other side of the ball. We know that Trey Lance is one already going to be one of the best uh, uh, rushers, and he's going to have a ton of opportunity to do that. I really hope Trent Williams is going to be able to play through his shoulder injury. He was limited. He didn't practice yesterday. I think that they really need Trent Williams, who is quietly the 49ers offensive line has not been very good. So um, lots lots of stuff going on. Like ultimately, I think that Trey Lance is going to be a boom bust low end quarterback one. I think that they had a chance to absolutely go nuts on the ground. But I think that Shanahan's right when he keeps saying like immediately is Jimmy G the starter. He's like, yes. And I think there's nothing in this in the preseason outside of the couple of these 
crazy throws downfield. Right. It seems like he's still a 21-year-old from North Dakota State that just needs a little more time. I, I want to look in that a little more. And I think what you just said makes sense. Like, what exactly should we expect? Because he's barely played since the 2019 season. But I also firmly believe that Kyle Shanahan's plan was going to use Trey Lance at points early on this season. I mean, we saw it in that third preseason game where he's going to come in in certain situations. And he basically told the media that that was going to happen. And then by all accounts, he took that back. And I think really something had to have shown up behind the scenes. Like he just knows, as you're saying, that Trey isn't even ready for that at this moment. And while I think that Jimmy is limiting this team as well, it might be limited with Trey Lance in there, but in a very different way. I will say this as like a third party observer, this is exciting, you know? Oh yeah. It, it it's it's not just a executor robot back there who's just handing it off and you know perfectly or trying to hit these open receivers that his offensive coordinator puts out there. We're gonna get some high variance. We're gonna get roller coaster moments. We're gonna get some wow magic, and we're also gonna get some ridiculous boneheaded plays. But again, for entertainment factor, that's gonna be so much fun. I still would expect Debo Samuel to get his. I don't know if this opens up anything for Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle to get theirs. And Hayden, it might impact most the running back position as well. The running back spot is completely TBD. It seems like Eli Mitchell is trending in the right direction. He was limited. He shed his non-contact jersey in practice. I'm going to guess he plays, and I'm going to guess he starts. I thought Trey Sermon had a pretty good game last week. Uh, it, they weren't trusting Eli Mitchell or Trey Sermon on passing down. They had Jamichael Hasty in there when Eli Mitchell was starting. Uh, and then they had Kyle Juszczyk as the passing down back when Trace Sermon was starting. So I have no idea which direction they're going to go to. It's two completely different styles. I have no idea which way Shanahan's leaning. I would guess Mitchell just because they were starting him early on the season, but I have no idea. This could be more of a 50-50, and it kind of just like they want the big plays. They'll go Eli Mitchell. If they want to pound the rock up the middle, it'll be Trace Sermon. So who knows? I wouldn't feel comfortable starting either one of them. Cardinals time. Soapbox time. Stop acting like A.J. Green is a fuse that's going to burn out on Dynamite. From what we have seen through the first four weeks of the season, A.J. Green's talent, the way he's playing, it's here to stay. He's putting quarterbacks 10 years younger than him in absolute blenders on that side of the field. It's a joy to watch. It's so much fun. And if he stays healthy, if the other three wide receivers stay healthy, we've seen Chase Edmonds miss a couple practices, at least be limited. So far with a shoulder injury, which is a massive deal. But this offense is so perfect at the moment um, that I I really hope it stays that way. I don't know where you want to go with this conversation. Hey, maybe at the running back spot, because if Chase Edmonds stays in, we know between the 20s, he's electric. But if not, James Conner might emerge as a top 12 running back this week. Yeah, Chase Edmonds late in the game, he fell on his shoulder. I think it was on that really long run, and he kind of just got up awkward. And he was kind of on the sideline doing this, doing the little shoulder thing with the with some trainers. He did not practice yesterday, and uh, the Arizona Cardinals beat reporter didn't think that he was practicing today either. So maybe he can come back there and play on a uh, uh, limited tomorrow. So we'll we'll see. But if James Conner's out there, I think that he's a top ten back. We're seeing this offense already uh, produce top five uh, numbers like all over the place. And Chase Edmond was the, the RB16 in usage. James Conner, the RB24 in usage to start the year. So if you get rid of Chase Edmonds, I think that James Conner's going to be a smash. So we'll, we'll see what happens on uh, on Sunday. 
Is the major difference between DeAndre Hopkins this season versus last season that he's not getting 160 targets this year? Like he's not going to reach that yeah. number? It's, it's impossible to do that when you go f- four wide. And like they're scheming up all like almost all of Rondale Moore's targets. I think it's like 65% of them are on screens. And like that means that DeAndre Hopkins is not even like, running those routes. So it's just harder when you have four guys in the mix. And, like that's why uh, in the offseason, like we were talking about the two wide receiver sets versus, versus the three wide receiver sets. It's issues like this. It's like DeAndre Hopkins playing through an injury. He'll have better games, but it's just harder when when Kyler Murray's throwing the ball to everybody. It's just harder to earn all those targets. So I, I think that the wide receiver one days could be over for DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to be way more volatile. He's going to have some absolutely monster games, but he's not going to have like the 150 plus targets. Well, he's going to have 100 this weekend because DeAndre Hopkins is my Benji of the week. I think the 49ers are at their best in the middle of the field when it comes to their linebackers when it comes to their safeties even some of their defensive linemen as well and so we've seen their outside corners compete at a high level against the eagles disrupted a number of plays that Devonte smith could have had a massive day i expect deandre hopkins to make those this week squeaky wheel deandre hopkins 100 yards with the benji this weekend okay, i don't think i don't think i don't think k1 williams has practiced this week either for Fortnite's niners corner chicago bears las vegas raiders we go from Trey Lance to Justin Fields, who are five and a half point road dogs to Las Vegas, who are three and one this season. Hayden, I don't know if this five and a half points has like an anchor to anything, a bearing on anything, because really we saw a new offense last week in week four. It's already changed for the Bears because Bill Lazor, that's the only time we've seen him call plays. And then we've seen Justin Fields just have 17 attempts in that Bill Lazor offense. And they were 17 glorious attempts. So I'm not really sure where a lot of the merit is in this five and a half point spread. You think that's just going to be what Justin Fields comeback season or do you think yes. that's the, I mean, five and a half is a lot. I mean, it should be to me closer to three points. Yeah, maybe so. I, I'm with you. I, I saw like a lot of difference making throws from Justin Fields oh, yeah. last week, like insane throws um, a little more under center stuff, which I think is kind of interesting for, for Justin Fields, but yeah, I, I'm with you. The Raiders' secondary is also banged up. They had two uh, guys leave early last week as well, and like we we weren't threatened by their secondary outside of Hunter Renfro, who's their best safety on the team. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that Darnell Mooney is kind of interesting just because he had an awesome game last week. He has 26% targets, 41% of the air yards. I don't know what's going on with Allen Robinson still, uh, but I, I, I do think that the Bears it's going to be a very slow paced. They're not going to try to put Justin Fields in too many sketchy scenarios either. So um, I don't know. Let, let him make plays. We haven't seen him, you know, make plays on the ground yet. That could happen in this game in terms of outside the pocket. And maybe the fantasy football gods just used all of their magic powers for Allen Robinson with likes of Blake Bortles and all these other quarterbacks in his past that now he has Justin Fields. There's like nothing left over to give him. I, I would expect that not to be the case. Look, what was great last week is they allowed him to throw vertically. Guess what? If you watch him at Ohio State, he was one of the best vertical passers in all of college football or ones that we've seen in the last five years. I mean, just his ability to keep his eyes on the field and look for big plays and pinpoint those passes was was beautiful. Um, but guess who's been doing that at the best rate in the NFL this season? Derek Carr. No one has more 20-plus yard pass attempts this season than Derek Carr. Now you get back. Because you had the Fangio scheme, right? And they went away from it for a year or two. And now you bring back a defense coordinator that's running somewhat of the same thing. 
And so the defense is going to try to prevent these big plays. Even last week, he attempted them as well with Derek Carr. Where are we at on this Raiders offense? Because I think before our eyes, we are seeing an evolution of Henry Ruggs as well as being a bigger part of this team. The one of the notes is they're reshuffling the offensive line. Alex Leatherwood is going to be kicking inside after really struggling as a right tackle. Um, yeah, I know. Tough scenes. Um, but I think Alex Leatherwood is probably going to be a better guard than he was a tackle because he's just like such an ass kicker in general. Um, I, I think that Henry Ruggs is getting more involved just like on, a, on the underneath stuff and they're like using him in motion. Like there's a couple of those plays where like, they'll set him in motion. He'll be like behind the offensive lineman. Then they'll snap the ball and then it'll start running the other way. And the, yeah. the corner is just like running for his life against somebody that kind of has like four three speed. So those are the type of plays you like to see from Henry Ruggs. I still don't fully trust this offense, like Henry Ruggs, wide receiver 53 in fantasy usage, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 38. And like Darren Waller still could have one of these absolutely monster games at any moment. He's somebody that's like always like a, a, a at least like the tight end three or tight end four in fantasy usage, but then some weeks he like goes absolutely nuts as well. And I can totally see that Darren Waller bouncing back and having a huge game um, against a Bears defense. I don't think it's like that good in general. All right, let's move on to the Giants. And the Cowboys. Hold on, we have we have to talk Damian Williams. Yeah, we didn't even bring oh, up okay. Damian. Williams. Well, we talked. I try not to repeat myself on every single Tuesday show to the Thursday show as well. We covered Damian Williams extensively there, but let's have that conversation because Damian Williams to me has a bigger chance of being a three down back than Chuba Hubbard did, and I think that's the comparison we keep making with these running back insurance types. I know a lot of people get excited about Khalil Herbert, but Damian Williams, soft hands, angle routes out of the backfield. I'm not so sure how much the Bears are going to be able to do between the tackles because even Dave Montgomery was like bouncing out and using his great tackle breaking ability and looking like one of the top 10 runners in the NFL to create that rushing production. I'm not so sure Damon's going to be able to do that. But uh, how do you view his weekend? Well, I think they want to be balanced on offense. I think that Damian Williams can do all the things on early downs and on passing downs. Um, so I think that he's like a, a must play uh RB2 right now. And if you just look at the Raiders on defense, they're 27th against uh, fantasy running backs to start the season. And I just don't see anything. They can rush the passer more because they signed y- Yannick Ngakwe and they got uh, Max Williams back or Max Crosby back. But I, I think that it's just going to be a-, a-, a lot of touches for Damian Williams. And I'm with you that yeah. he deserves to be in a tier above like the Chupa Hubbard types from last week. Now to close out the four o'clock window, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas seven point favorites at home. Obviously, they're three and one. A big total here, fifty two points. My only point in this game because we know Dallas is incredible. Like Dak is playing at like a top three level at the moment. And what I love about Dallas is they they can beat you in any way. Like we've seen them run up the middle a lot with Ezekiel Elliott. We've seen them run to the edge with Tony Pollard. We've seen them focus on the ground game. We've also seen them air it out against Tampa Bay and try to chase on the scoreboard. And then last week they kind of combined it all. Had Dak throw what, like 22 passes? A lot of them were tight end screens that were something they hadn't shown before. Um, sometimes Dak getting to like his third or fourth progression. But then we, you know, get that shot through Mari Cooper in one on one situations and a look that they wanted down the field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the only real concern about Dallas lately is CeeDee Lamb's opportunities and usage because then I think the last two weeks it hasn't been great. I'm of the opinion that four weeks in this regard is just a tiny sample and it's on the way. I I'm with you. And the giants are 25th in uh, passing EPA on defense. They're also 
uh, 30th in adjusted sack rate. So Dak Prescott, if they want to pass the ball, they should be able to pass the ball all over the yard. They're projected for the second most points of the week. Obviously, you're starting C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think that the difference between like the preseason expectations for those guys and what's happening this year is the Cowboys' defense is better than we expected, and that starts at uh, the secondary in particular with Trayvon Diggs. And it seems like they're, the Cowboys aren't playing with as much pace. They're now at seventh in neutral pace, and their neutral pass rate is down at 13th because you're seeing a better Zeke Elliott, uh, Tony Pollard more involved too. So I think that there is some structural issues with why you're not seeing CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper have those elite ceilings. Now in a one-game sample, like these guys can go absolutely nuts, of course. So uh, you're, you're, you should definitely be starting them. I've talked a lot about Pick'em. Haven't talked at all about Best Ball Resurrection, which if you're winning in Best Ball Leagues right now or your home league, you should play. And if you're losing, it's the best thing to play. But Hayden, just as they were drafted prior to the season, C.D. Lamb is going six or seven wide receiver spots ahead of Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb's the wide receiver 11. Amari Cooper is the wide receiver 18. And I think that we've learned that while both obviously have a chance to be productive each and every week, Amari's like, the guy in that offense still like they both are alphas. They're both our number ones, but Amari's always going to have, I think a big play right now in each and every game. When he's healthy. Yes, he does. He is playing through. He might not be injury. healthy all season. long. Yeah. Like that's his problem. It's like it's his foot, his, his ankle, it's his ribs. Now all of it's all of a sudden his hamstring. So there's a lot going on with, with Amari. I crushed the giants early on the season. Um, saying that there was no, aspect of that offense that helped the other one then Hayden they listened and they're doing well I mean what Daniel Jones the game that he put together last week it was it was amazing it was beautiful some might say Andrew Thomas at left tackle was playing a lot better and look they, they have some injuries like Sterling Shepard started off as their most productive wide receiver he's still sidelined so is Darius Slayton but then you go out and you know Kenny Galladay won in the exact areas he should have last week in terms of contested catches and, and playing as a big body. And then you throw out Kadarius Tony, who's already number two in the NFL in terms of broken tackles at the wide receiver spot. These were not easy throws that Daniel Jones was making. They were deep comebacks. They were deep shots over the middle. And he was doing it. And that's uh, like, this is a chance. Like if they upset the Cowboys, this is a massive turn in the road, potentially for the Giants season. It's also Jason Garrett revenge game here for for the Giants as well. So uh, I'm with you. I, I was super. Uh, I mean, not surprised that Kadarius Tony looked this good, but like his movement skills are look really rare to me. And he had a season high 10.2 expected fantasy points. And if you're just like looking at matchups, uh, Trevon Diggs is going to be all over Kenny Galladay, and Kadarius Tony should have an easier matchup in the slot. He ran around on 85 percent of dropbacks, so I do think that Kadarius Tony is all of a sudden maybe like a, a wide receiver four with a little bit of upset or upside in, in this matchup. And uh, we shouldn't expect Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard to play. Look, after we have made A.J. Green a top 28 wide receiver in fantasy football, now we have moved on over to Kadarius Toney, who was drafted as the wide receiver 99 this summer in underdog. This is our chance when Sterling Shepard is still on the sideline for Kadarius Toney to feast in the slot and its potential. It's there. And he's, he's a lot of fun. All the negatives have always been baked in with all of our opinions on Kadarius Tony, but just watch him with fresh eyes and he's a joy. He makes mistakes, yeah. but he's fun. He's yeah, fun. he stopped he stopped that slant round and he <laughs> dropped the ball. Like he would have he would still be running to the end zone right now if he just didn't stop. Um so you're gonna be going through some of that stuff, but like he was winning at the line of scrimmage against like man coverage too. So that was pretty that was pretty good, good to see. Two games to go. Let's start off on our dear friends, the Peacock. 
Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, three and one Bills are two and a half point road dogs, 56 and a half total. But we know the Chiefs are two and two. Um, let's talk, let's like drop the fantasy talk for a moment, Hayden. Just as a fan, as an observer, we're gonna be wrapping up our instant reaction shows, which everyone out there will be watching leading up to this game. This is like a circle the calendar moment in the NFL season. What are you excited to see? Uh, I'm excited to see if the Bills defense is for real. Right now, they're first in uh, defensive EPA. They're second in rushing uh, EPA on defense as well. They're fourth in sack rate. They've been the number one defense against fantasy quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like The defense right now is playing out of their mind. Now, one of the issues is Matt Milano, their their coverage linebacker, he hasn't practiced with the hamstring injury. So there could be some Travis Kelsey elements to this game that really kind of change things. But it's basically, is the Bills' defense enough? They're the improvements that they've made to um, – they're a little bit healthier on the back end. They're getting way more depth across the defensive line. Is that enough to kind of counteract some of the regression we're seeing from Josh Allen? Because so far right now, the answer is yes. But they haven't been tested. They don't get Davis Mills every week either. So – um, we know that the Chiefs can put up points on anybody, but if the Bills can slow them down even at all, that's like super optimistic for their long-term future. I think a lot of times when we talk about defense, people just expect them to swarm and like dominate, and that's like a good game. In this case, a good game would be forcing two punts out of the Chiefs, you know? Yeah. Because they they didn't, I think it was, what, the Eagles last week, they didn't force a single punt on the Chiefs the entire yeah. game. And like, look, early on, the Chiefs have been a little loose with the football. And just think of how good the Chiefs offense would be this season if they weren't turning the football over. Like they're already on pace for like yards and touchdowns and scores and all that kind of stuff. One of the best we have seen. And that's baking in those four turnover games, those two turnover games, so on and so forth. Saying that, there's a legit chance the Bills finish top five in offense and top five in defense this entire season. It's a different roster than, than it was last year. I mean, the Bills defense, as you said, has been great against bad competition. But I'll also add, it's not like the Bills have built their defense for the Patriots or the Dolphins, like in division games. It's for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's to beat a team like this. So like you, I'm, I'm very excited to see. And all that they need is a turnover or two, force a punt or two. And like that's my that might be what all they need because, again – Two top five units is much different than the Chiefs being like the number one offense and like the 30th ranked defense. The worst defense in the league right now, the Chiefs are. Like they're they're getting absolutely shredded on both sides of the ball right now. And I think the only saving grace going into this week is it sounds like maybe they're gonna get Willie Gay back, who's they're gonna be their best. That's a huge deal because like not because like Willie Gay is some great player, it's because they need to get these other linebackers off the freaking field, man. Like they can't. They are running in the wrong direction. They're like setting them on blitzes now because they are never in the right space and they cannot move. Like the Chiefs linebackers right now, as and with the, like their free safeties yeah. and their like the people that are coming into the box, it's some of the worst play you'll see in at any position across the entire NFL. So um, I'm curious to see what the Bills want to do because if they want to run the ball on the Chiefs defense, which is dead last in rushing EPA, they can do that. But at the same time, they're a better passing team. And the Chiefs' defense can't play the pass either. They're 29th at passing EPA. So, like, the Bills should be able to do whatever the hell they want. I'm expecting this to be a really high-scoring game, obviously. But I'm really starting to get 
kind of nervous that the Chiefs defense like just does not have enough pieces back there. Yeah, there's so much discourse on on the Chiefs defense not being able to stop the run that people also gloss over their horrific and against the pass. Yes, like about that's not good there as well. That's that's not good either. Um, part of me wants to take the Bills. Like I keep when I do all the notes, do all the research for this game. I'm like. The Bills, I mean, especially when their offense right now, from an EPA standpoint, from a DVOA standpoint, they're 17th. Like, it's not getting worse than that. It's not even going to stay at that. It's it's only going up because while Josh Allen was almost perfect last year, he's still making like one or two mistakes early on in games. That's like setting them back, even against the Texans last week. Um, but you see it. You see how great this team can be with Manny, with Cole, with – with Stefan and now throwing in like Dawson Knox over the middle of the field and catch and run and Zach Moss and so on and so forth. I'm still going to go with Patrick Mahomes because I just, I mean, Tyreek, Travis Kelsey, I don't think that CEH from like a, a skill standpoint, from an electric standpoint, is like showing anything. He's just like bouncing off stuff. But uh, I always side with like the best offense. And while I think the Bills again can finish top five, the Chiefs might finish number one. I think these are the two best uh, teams in the AFC. So yeah, this like is that. this is a treat. Close it out Monday Night Football. Long show. Thanks for sticking with us. Indianapolis Colts, Baltimore Ravens. Ravens seven and a half point favorites. They're three and one. 46 total. What did we talk about with Lamar Jackson this offseason? That, you know, in 2019, he had his MVP campaign, which was beautiful, both running and passing. And then last year, when we all drafted him so highly, the running was still there. That rushing production was still there. A little bit different, but it was still there. But the passing, especially in clean pockets, it had dropped off. It had, like, fallen off a cliff. And that's where he just needed to improve. Well, not only did he improve, Hayden, he is turning into truly one of the best passers in the NFL right now, and it's with an imperfect surrounding cast. It is insane, Going into the season, they just traded uh, Orlando Brown, who could be one of the better tackles in the game. And right now, the Ravens have the most players on injured reserve. They have 17, most in the league. Like, the next closest down at 13. Like, the league average, like, seven or eight. I mean, they are decimated everywhere. And their first-round pick, who's a wide receiver, should be coming back at any moment, possibly even this week. So, what Lamar Jackson's doing is actually insane. And I don't think that – I think it's an underrated storyline how decimated this entire Ravens team is. And then Lamar is just absolutely crushing it, not only just running the ball, but passing the ball downfield, intermediate. I can't wait for Rashad Bateman. I think that the Ravens, if they can get a little bit healthier, if they can start uh, patching together some of the, the short area stuff um, as a passing unit, and that could just be Rashad Bateman. Like This team looks really in- insane. This might be Lamar Jackson's best start of a season, um, including the, that MVP yeah. year. Yeah, I'm looking at the intended air yards per attempt, and like Aaron Rodgers is saying they're big arm. 9.2. Josh Allen, right above him, 9.4. We've got some rookies with massive arms throwing down the field. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, 9.4, 9.5. Lamar Jackson is at 12.1 intended air yards per attempt. Yeah. And it's to Marquise Brown. It's to Mark Andrews. It's to Sammy Watkins. And then underneath stuff to Devin DuVernay and James Prochet. I cannot wait for Rashad Bateman to be inserted and getting both of those guys' touches, including Sammy Watkins. And then, like, this team is winning in the air and being honestly, like, safe and conservative on the ground. They're not having to get those crazy explosive plays because if they were, 
I think personally they might lean more on Tyson because he yes. is that explosive player. But they they just don't want to make mistakes on the ground. And so that's why Latavius and Devontae Freeman and whoever else they throw back. And everyone knows my thoughts on that. But right now, this is working. And also just for this game specifically against the Colts, the Ravens defense is built to shut down a player like Jonathan Taylor. And if you do that, it's going to make it a long day for Carson Wentz in this game. Yes, it will be. And Carson Wentz is super inaccurate right now. And he's not even throwing the ball downfield. So um, I hope that Carson Wentz can just throw the ball to Michael uh, Michael Pittman in the red zone. I, I posted the clip on Twitter. Like, he kept missing him in the red area. So Michael Pittman, positive regression candidate. Obviously, knowing Marcus Peters is good news um, for Michael Pittman in general. I think that he is more of a wide receiver three. But I'm certainly worried that the Ravens are just – playing too hot right now and they're too well coached and they could, this could just be a disaster um, for the Colts as well. Yeah. After what is a one and one start with all those injuries, I thought the Ravens season could go down the twos, but it's done the exact opposite. It's because Lamar is, is a special player and we're getting so many special players right now in the NFL. Like again, it's week five. We're getting this, we're getting Kyler Murray, we're getting Patrick Mahomes. We're getting all these rookies playing right now as well. Um, what a joy. What a joy Good stuff. All right, everyone out there, thanks for being here. We'll be back on Sunday. We start the show at 10 a.m. Eastern, one hour of phone calls with Animal. Call in to get your start set questions. I'll be joining there at 11, and then Hayden with me until about 12.15, 12.30. Lots of inactives, conversation, lots of pick'em lines. Um, It's all about you on Sundays. And then Sunday night, as soon as the 4 o'clock window games are over, 7.15, 7.30, we go live with our instant reaction shows one of our best shows of the week. Big news, always on the way. From Underdog, go play Best Ball Resurrection. Go play Pick'em. Always check out Rivals. Turn your free $10 using promo code The Show into 200 by picking five correctly. And as always, stick with us. Like and subscribe. Help us grow this channel on the way to 10,000 subscribers. Did I do it? Is that good enough, Hayden? Worldwide Wob. Love it. You love to see it. Go and support Wob. Actually, Wobs people come and support us. That might be there the better way of doing it. <laughs> there you go, please. All right, everyone. Have a tremendous weekend. The Villa do not play, but still, go up. Talk to you all soon. See you.